Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio News Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and my guest today is Colleen Jenkins the great-great-granddaughter of Elizabeth Cady Stanton, who assembled the first Equal Rights Convention in Seneca Falls, New York. Perhaps following in the footsteps of her great-great-grandmother, Colleen Jenkins is traveling and speaking up and down the East Coast on behalf of women's rights. But we're so grateful she's taking a break today to talk with us. I invited Colleen Jenkins because I wanted to ask the great-great-granddaughter of Elizabeth Cady Stanton about her involvement with the first statue to be erected in Central Park in New York of real women. Welcome, Colleen Jenkins, to the Reasonable Voices. How are you today? Well, it's delightful to speak to a reasonable voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. Well, we will. <laughs> we'll talk about that some other time. But uh, how are things up in Saratoga? Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. The temperature's perfect. Uh, I'm in a national state park in New York State, and uh, the gathering of women and men. For instance, right now, the great great-grandson of Frederick Douglass is here. Oh, wow. So it means a great deal to me because I'm the great-great-granddaughter of Elizabeth Cady Stanton. And as we all know, at the first women's rights convention in Seneca Falls in 1848, actually, my great-great-grandmother is very daring, and she demanded votes for women, the elective franchise, and most of the people at the convention thought that that was dangerous because it would make them look ridiculous. That's the term, mm. look ridiculous. And But she stood fast, believing that the right to vote is the fundamental right of citizenship. And without that, you have no way of gaining the other rights of citizenship mm. so that was she stood fast there and there was only one other person at the convention that supported her resolution initially mm -hmm. and that was frederick Douglass. so 
They were friends uh, basically for life, even though they had a little falling out about another constitutional amendment. But anyway, it was a joy to meet the great, great, great grandson of Frederick. And we have great affection for the works of both families and the Constitution of the United States. Yes. And I should say, and the work goes on uh, in, in, the, oh in, goodness, in both families sure. and, and so many others, many names that we don't necessarily know, but that's part of what your organization is doing is to make certain we do know more about the women and men, as you say, who began the movement to recognize 51% of the population. How's that for a question? What are your thoughts? Well, um, I'm actually in a legislative body in Greenwich, Connecticut, uh-huh. and uh, we work on the basis of majority rule, and I think it's just amazing how our nation left the majority out. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. So I'm thrilled that the 19th Amendment passed, because it's really universal suffrage, is not women's suffrage, yes. and that means no citizen should have the right to vote denied on the basis of their sex. Mm -hmm. So I'm thrilled that we recognize both parts of our nation. And all I can think of is a body, a human body that's had a stroke. An arm, leg on one side is paralyzed. Perhaps the ability to speak is lost. I make an analogy that men and women make up the body of our nation. Yes. And in no way should one be disempowered because the whole nation doesn't function to its highest ability. So that I would say that strong women, strong men are only the good thing for America. Yes, I, I agree completely. And you you mentioned the Greenwich. Do you work closely with the Greenwich Historical Society by any chance? Occasionally I do things with them, but I am in the Greenwich legislative body. Yes. And tell us more about that. Tell us more about your uh, being a legislature in Greenwich. Well, I just just feel that democracy is not a spectator sport. Mm -hmm. Democracy is a participatory sport. And so, for instance, when I was in my 20s, I had two kids, and uh, our legislative body met at 8 p.m. <laughs> so that was perfect. The kids had to be in bed by then. Uh-huh. So I could go out to these meetings until 2 a.m. and I had no conflict <laughs> and I could do my business or the business of the town mm-hmm. and then come home. And I just feel that I, I love being involved at multiple levels. Yes. Of, I think one should be engaged locally, but of course, there's the state, and I primarily am active in New York State, where my family's been active for two centuries. Yes. And then the federal level is also very important. So I like to, for instance, I think it's, I've seen the role model and the impact of passing the 19th Amendment, which just grants a right to vote. Mm-hmm. But of course, there's room for more amending of the Constitution, and the great news is that it takes 38 states to amend the Constitution, and it's amazing that 37 states now, most recently Illinois and Nevada, have passed the Equal Rights Amendment or the 28th Amendment. So we just short one state, and I just think it's incredibly 
amazing. I get goosebumps when I go to Charlottesville. Yes. I get mm-hmm. goosebumps when I walked around the state capitol in Richmond. I, I that's who I am. It, I, it just is emotionally powerful. Mm-hmm. But I want to draw the analogy between Thomas Jefferson and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Yes. Um, there's uh, a filmmaker, Ken Burns, who's done a lot of great documentaries about America. Yes. And he did one on Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony. And he helped me learn that the parallel between Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Thomas Jefferson, and I already knew that obviously when King George III was in England and the people in America objected to his autocratic rule, well, they basically drew up a document, the Declaration of Independence, 1776, and then they fought a war for their independence, for their liberty, for not continuing with taxation without representation, all of these great ideas. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting, too, everybody knows that the mm-hmm. essence, the heart of it, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Yes. Um, and and by their um, they have inalienable rights among the life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward to 1848, when the first women's rights convention was called in Seneca Falls, um, at fairly short notice. Well, the women, Elizabeth plus others handful of others decided we need a document that states our purpose yes and, and your, great, your great great grandmother wrote most of it did she not and and read it well what's interesting is she had a, a she grew she had an a, you can sort of tell like a fingerprint you can also tell by somebody's style and mm-hmm. choice of words so to you can tell she didn't exclusively write it that's really not known but there's a heavy indication of her participation Mm -hmm. but what's important is these women are sitting around the table thinking well how do we express ourselves and they said in their own words that it's as difficult as inventing the steam engine and Mm -hmm. at that time in the industrial age that was really interesting Mm -hmm. difficult to do but they came up with a brilliant 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 strategy they took what was in the minds of most Americans. I mean, 1776 was not that far ago for them. Uh And for instance, Elizabeth Cady Stanton's grandfather, Livingston, fought in the war, Revolutionary War along Uh the Hudson River. So this is tangible for them. And they took the Declaration of Independence and they just tweaked it to say, all men and women yeah. are created equal. Yes. And ha- that's a brilliant strategy because it's irrefutable. You can't accept all men are created equal without accepting all men and women are created equal by their creator. And they're endowed with the same rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. These are God-given rights. Mm-hmm. These aren't man-given rights. And uh, so... And then, of course, as the 1776 document was, there were grievances against the autocratic rule, King George III. Well, these were, the women wrote up their grievances against the rule, the current rule of the day, 
that, for instance, barred women from going to get higher education. Mm -hmm. Without higher education, they were unknown to fields of law. And, um, they couldn't vote. They couldn't run for office. They couldn't own property mm -hmm. in their own name. If they got married, their husband would own their wages, their children, the clothes on their back. And they, in as Elizabeth said, they once married, they became civilly dead in terms of the eyes of the law. Yes. Just to let you know, Elizabeth grew up in a very, a soup of law. Yes. Her father was a lawyer. Her father was a judge. There weren't law schools, so there were clerks that were learning the law that from her father, and um, and they would bait her, for instance, that nice coral necklace you got is for Christmas as a child. One said, when you grow up and get married, your husband will own it. And she's a 10-year-old ten, you know, ten or so, and she just didn't think that was fair she mm -hmm. just got it as a christmas present how could a, somebody take it and own it and the law clerk said the man could your husband could swap it for cigars and it would go up and smoke so he was baiting her but she had a sense of fairness children do yes a and hopefully adults stay in touch with what's fair and right and wrong and of course laws are based on rights and wrongs of yes. people so anyway, um, so Thomas Jefferson and that Declaration of Independence was a model for the Declaration of Sentiments for the women in 1848 at the first Women's Rights Convention. So it, Virginia is an amazing place. It's yes. got an amazing history. And you spend an amazing amount of money advertising it up in my area. Yes. <laughs> so... Well, uh, I hope you live up to your history and make history today. Exactly. And, and you know, being a New Yorker, I, um, although I have a home in Charlottesville, Virginia, I am a New Yorker and often in Washington, D.C., I love history and, of course, enjoy talking to you about it, especially as the great-great-granddaughter of Elizabeth Cady Stanton. You are walking history. And I, I, I think... There's another uh, connection uh, to the uh, Declaration of Independence, and that is that uh, your great-great-grandmother's Declaration of Sentiments was also part of a convention that was held in July, in the month of July. And, of course, it was 1848, and as you say, that was just a stone's throw from 1776. I wonder, right. um, I wonder if uh, we're going to have to go to a break pretty soon, but I... I know you've told me in the past when we've talked how much you love historical sites, and it, it, is, uh, it, it is something I've told you, too, that I have traveled great distances in the past. I would travel from great distances long before I owned a home in Charlottesville just because of the historical significance to my soul. As you say, you know, it's hallowed ground that uh, you walk on there. What what are your thoughts about um, what has happened recently in Charlottesville and, and the rights of women? How does that sort of thing tie in as well? Do you, do you uh, has it inspired you even more or what, what are your thoughts? Well, I just think it's an abomination that somebody that goes in peaceful 
protest mm-hmm. or has a wants to express something would die for that. Yes. Um, and so I defend everybody's right of self-expression and whether you agree or disagree, I think that we should all agree to their right to speak yes and that nobody should be murdered for that Uh or or randomly murdered for that and i don't think people should be imprisoned for that and so i would never condone something like the murder of uh, the random murder of somebody yes um so it's but i would defend people's rights Uh, very often it's not an two points of view but it's a whole myriad of points of view and i think that that debate is always healthy yes but we have to tolerate debate exactly peaceful assembly and peaceful debate all right we're going to take a short break we are speaking with colleen jenkins she is the great great granddaughter of elizabeth katie stanton who was very much involved in the writing and first reading of the declaration of sentiments in Seneca, New York, in 1848, in July, the first Women's Rights Convention. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Colleen Jenkins, a member, by the way, of the legislature of Greenwich, Connecticut. And now, enjoy Watchfire Music, featuring vocal artist Jenny Burton, singing Tear Down the House from Is Anybody Listening? Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk News Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and my guest today is Colleen Jenkins. She is the great-great-granddaughter of Elizabeth Cady Stanton. We've been talking about her great-great-grandmother, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, who assembled the first Equal Rights Convention in Seneca Falls, New York, in July in 1848, and was a part of the authorship and, and reading the Declaration of Sentiments, which was modeled on Jefferson's Declaration of Independence, the idea, of course, that 51% of our population was as equal as the 49%. 
So, Colleen, let's talk more now about what you are doing. I, I understand in September you're going to be at the Jamestown Settlement Museum. Tell us about that, and we'll go through some of the other places where you're stopping and speaking and why you're doing this. Well, I invite everybody in Virginia, I figure if I can come from Connecticut, you can travel in Virginia, to the Jamestown Settlement Museum. It's in Williamsburg. They have a phenomenal, world-class exhibition called Tenacity, and it's about women from 1609 to the present, Mm. and it's three types of women. European women, African-American women, and indigenous women. And they have artifacts and stories that are incredible. For instance, one of the things the museum did at the Jamestown Settlement Museum is they went back to England and they found documents about the women going down to the ship and coming to Virginia. Mm. Uh, The rarity of these things, and apparently they're light-sensitive so that they just don't leave England. So this is a rare event. And, for instance, another artifact they did, they borrowed my grandmother, who's the granddaughter of Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Uh They borrowed my grandmother's suffrage stand, and Uh it's a collapsible stand, and she carried it around when she was in the 19 teens when uh-huh. she was working for women's right to vote. And in southern Manhattan, she gave speeches in Union Square. And this is a funny story uh-huh. that uh, what's funny is that Elizabeth Cady Stanton's granddaughter, my grandmother, uh-huh. Nora, became a civil engineer in 1905. She was the first civil engineer to graduate from Cornell University, and that's one of the first in the nation. Mm -hmm. And she also worked on suffrage, votes for women. So she designed her own fold-up stand, and she went around to Union Square in New York City and stood up on the stand and delivered her votes for women's speech. Uh So they lent it, and so it's down there. And I'm going to be coming to speak September 12th at 7 p.m. I will be there. I'm bringing other artifacts. And I I really invite everybody to come to know more about the history of women's suffrage. And I think it's important not only to look backwards, but look at the present and look at the future. And uh, since I'm going down there, (laughs) the day before, I'm going to join an ice cream truck that says, I scream for equality. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it's always great fun to gather people because, of course, I have stories to tell. I have, but I love to hear what other people say. And it's very powerful to know any type of time you have a social movement, it's very complex. In order to change the Constitution, you need a critical mass. Mm-hmm. It's not a small group. You need a, a supermajority to do that. So in essence, there are men and women that changed the Constitution when they brought in the 19th Amendment, universal suffrage. Yes. And I like to hear the other stories that families can tell or individuals can tell. So I really look forward to coming down from Connecticut, Uh and I appreciate the opportunity to speak. 
Okay, so you're going to be at the Jamestown Settlement Museum on September 12th, and did you say starting at 7 p.m.? 7 p.m., that's correct. And what's really wonderful, you don't just hear a lecture, but you go through the world-class exhibit called Tenacity. Yes. And obviously, the good old internet can give you lots of background. (laughs) Exactly. So in terms of looking backwards, it's really fun to do, but it's really important to look at now and the future. Yes. And obviously, I encourage everyone to register and vote. Yes. Yes. If people fought this hard for our nation, fought this hard for a universal right to vote, no matter what your color is, what your uh, political persuasion is, people fought really hard for this. So yes. the least you could do is vote, yes. but obviously you got to register before you vote. Exactly. So make sure you're registered. And just go online. The Internet's full of registration. Just get it done. In America, anyone who can legally vote should do so. So before, however, the day before, as you mentioned, uh, September 11th, you're going to be at the Randolph-Macon College? Well, that's you always have to fly in the day before uh-huh. the event because especially you know, there's all sorts of crazy stuff that happens with delays and thunderstorms. So I'm flying in the book the day before and somebody generously is hosting me in their home and they live real, near Randolph-Macon. Uh, where they're going to have an ice cream truck. And I love the, it's not ice, <laughs> I-C-E-C-R-E-A-M, but it's ice cream for equality. <laughs> I love it. And it just is a real catchy thing, and I love equality. So I said, can I ride your ice cream truck if you get me there to Jamestown Settlement the next day? uh, It's just fun to get all of this stuff going in the right direction. And why not? Why not have some ice cream, too? Exactly. (laughs) Sounds like a a family fun event as well as an educational one. And I I love when I see children at things like this and families as well. Absolutely. And it's on a university campus. So students, you know, the idea is to to. Uh, get out and make your voice heard and your political voice is represented in a vote yes the ability to vote and casting a vote now you are you know given your family history what is your relationship with you've spoken so much about equal rights for women obviously what are your thoughts about the virginia and the national equal rights amendment movement for ratification you've mentioned you know Uh, we only need one more state well i just think I, i uh, the more I read, I've done, I've done a lot of reading about Virginia and all the Virginians that fought and were not just with bayonets and guns and all that, mm-hmm. but it fought with political, you know, philosophical persuasion. Mm-hmm. They're brilliant people. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm very deeply appreciative of the fact that America could evolve to make sure that women were included. Uh, it's very easy to mark history by my family. The point is that my mother was born one month before the 19th Amendment. Wow. That is not long ago. Exactly. That's to put it in some type of context. So I think that is a phenomenal evolution for America and getting back to the point that 
if one releases the abilities and empowers people, our country is stronger. That's how I feel. Yes. And you know, the Elizabeth Katie Stanton and Susan B. Anthony Women's Suffrage Movement Monument. It will include Sojourner Truth as well. Tell yeah. us about that and, and how well, you were involved. Well, this is really exciting. Yes. Um, first, if it, let's get background on Central Park in yes. New York City. It's 800 acres. It's 165 years old. There are many, many statues of famous men with real names, yes. real paper trails, real accomplishments. And today in Central Park, the only statues of females are Mother Goose, mm. Alice in Wonderland, a witch, mm. an angel of the waters, goddess of the buildings. So the point is, these are all fictitious women. Yes. And women actually have accomplished things. They have shaped our nation. They are foremothers of our nation. And so in honor of the upcoming 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, mm -hmm. We have jumped through enormous amounts of hoops. We're honoring the 19th Amendment by making one statue containing three women, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Sojourner Truth, and Susan B. Anthony. Mm -hmm. And these people actually worked together. They were New Yorkers. Sojourner mm -hmm. Truth yes. was born near the Hudson River in yes. slavery. Yes. But each woman is very different. Like Susan B. Anthony didn't want to get married and give up the few rights she had because single women were treated differently than married women. Once mm -hmm. married, the eyes of the law did not recognize women. It was coverture, an old English term. Mm -hmm. So I just love the fact that there are three different type of women that cooperated, worked for women's rights. They spoke up. They and obviously, once again, the fundamental right is the right to vote. Yes. That's for, your political voice. For which they fought uh, seven decades to win that right, yes? Well, 1848 mm -hmm. is the first women's rights convention at which they, it was first publicly demanded votes for women. And, I mean, 50 years, my great-great-grandmother -grand Elizabeth worked on it, but you don't live forever. Yes. So she died 1902, and, you know, her daughter stepped up to the plate and was very active in, she came back from England and was very active in the New York State Suffrage Organization. Mm -hmm. And New York State was the first state east of the Mississippi to grant women the right to vote. The women of the West and the people of the West were much more advanced in equality than back East. Yes. And, for instance, Wyoming granted women the right to vote in 1869. So um, they were our role models. Yes. But fast forward back to New York State, that's the first state east of the Mississippi. They granted women the right to vote in 1917. So three generations of my family were involved and obviously Elizabeth did not live to see the constitutional amendment, but, yes. you know, there are different successes. For instance, during her lifetime, she saw marital women's property right come in yes. so that w women were allowed to own things in their own name. 
and upon marriage, everything did not pass to the husband and his family. You know, it's an evolution. That's the beauty of America as we keep evolving, evolving. And I really do think, even though it gets frustrating and crazy at times, I really do feel when I look back at Elizabeth in the early 1800s and I compare her life to my life, I am very, very, very appreciative Mm. of this evolution. Yes. Well, we probably need to go on that high note. It's certainly been a joy, and it's been, as you say, things are getting better for everyone, but you're right, we need to look forward, but we also need to remember from whence we've come, and and it was not an easy battle. For instance, after your great-great-grandmother spoke and the Seneca Falls Convention had taken place, there was a great deal of ridicule. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just as uh, with the women uh, demonstrating in in front of the White House during the Woodrow Wilson administration were beaten and arrested, and so it hasn't been easy. And you know what? Everything can go backwards, too. Don't take it for granted. Right now, I don't think that anyone's going to propose to to repeal the 19th Amendment. I mean, obviously, prohibition was repealed. I don't think we're going to go that far backwards, Uh but we have to constantly go forward. Yes, yes. The statue in Central Park. When do you think that statue will be unveiled? The statue will be dedicated August 26, exactly one year from now, 2020. That is the centennial of the 19th Amendment. Mm. The beauty of Central Park is that it's 800 acres. I invite all of your listeners to come and celebrate. Yes. Is there any more fundraising going on for this? Do Is there a, a way well, to donate or... or? Well, we've we've had over a thousand donors. We've had all sorts of major corporations too, and foundations. So we're very happy. I would look particularly towards the Turning Point Museum, which celebrates the woman who picketed the White House uh-huh. and were arrested for obstructing traffic. Yes. At the same time, they were fighting to get the right to vote. It was a peaceful. Protest. It was the first time the White House was picketed, and they were taken over to Occoquan Workhouse in Laurelton, Virginia. I've given $1,000 to that project. Mm-hmm. So share your money. Make sure that public art includes women and the stories of women. Yes. Open up your purses. Open up your wallets. So this the, this last one you're speaking of is, is different. It's a turning point suffragist memorial association in Virginia. Exactly. And, uh, and Very you, important history. Yes. Can you believe it that women were jailed? Alice Paul, who not only worked for the 19th Amendment, she worked for the Equal Rights Amendment. Yes. She was force-fed. A tube was stuck up her nose and stuck down in her stomach, and she was force-fed because the last thing you want is a martyr. You do not want somebody who is going on a hunger strike to die in prison because you've got a martyr and it's much harder to contain the nation if you've got a martyr. So I... they force-fed Alice Paul. So, that, you know, these are incredible stories. Yes. I think, you know, what's incredible in all my years in New York City, and, of course, I've walked through Central Park in, in almost every area that one could, and I was I felt so ashamed the first time I read about it, but to hear you talk about it, all the statues I've seen 
and I, you know, and I've seen them. I've seen Mother Goose and the witch and, you know, and all that. And then you're bringing to our attention that all of those statues of females are fictitious females. There are no real women statues in Central Park. So one more time, August 26, 2020, 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, this statue will be unveiled in Central Park with real women and those real women will be? Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Susan B. Anthony, and Sojourner Truth, who work together, particularly in New York State, because this, the site is in New York State. But of course, the, what their work did had national and international repercussions. Yes. So let's honor these women. These are our four mothers, just as we honor our four fathers and Virginia has tons of forefathers and tons of four women, yes. four mothers. Uh, we need to honor our past, and we need those people as role models in public art. Yes. I thank you so very much, Colleen Jenkins, the great-great-granddaughter of Elizabeth Cady Stanton, who assembled the first Equal Rights Convention in Seneca Falls, New York, Thank you so much, Colleen Jenkins. It was Jenkins. great talking with you. It's same, I feel the same way about you, and we must do it again, even if not okay. on radio. You're just marvelous. I'll see you somewhere on your speaking trail. I'll look forward to trying to meet you in Jamestown, okay? Wonderful. Thanks. See you on the 12th. Thank you. You got September it. September 12th. Bye-bye now. Bye now. Take care. And now, enjoy Watchfire Music, featuring vocal artist Julia Wade singing Beautiful from her new CD, Sunday Morning. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Yes, the Lord is greatly to be praised. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Our Constitution, Big Pharma, climate change, and other lies we tell ourselves. Trump sailing along with floating Russian nuclear reactor, radiating Sarah Palin's view from her front porch, portends ice isn't the only thing endangering American homeland security. If mental health is responsible for America's increasing mass murders, why are we still laughing about a confused commander-in-chief with a nuclear football? 
Isn't it past time to stop smirking with the media, thinking itself clever, and start accepting responsibility for Trump and MIA pants? Whether we search for answers in alcohol, syringes, an infomercial for G7 investment in presidential moral bankruptcy, or a decaying Senate majority leader aiding and abetting foreign invasion of America's blood-red mapped electoral process, maybe who we laugh at and what makes us cry is our Dorian Gray portrait. It's wiser now to dissipate corporatism's fog of Trump jokes, bigotry, and incompetence, so we can see clearly our vine of deceit. America's worst election hacking is domestic. Corporate CEOs for whom America is no more first than the millions overdosing on their marketing and political puppets. The real enemy of the state is the marriage between two big-to-jail bankers and conservatives who invest in bad actors cast in an acting government, opting for alternative facts, and choosing platforms that reflect international sickle and hammer and domestic hammer and claw for the mass destruction of our children's dreams. We must turn to our courts before they are completely miscast by Mitch McConnell as he has wounded our FEC. As it was in our beginning, wealthier male owners of power installed men greedy for some and sealed the deal with the Constitutional Electoral College, which preserved the power points, protected the property owners of human beings, and defended male Caucasians from any future extreme ideas of allowing the popular vote of the populace to possibly motion to call the question, and end the battle of the sexes and vote gender equality, thus forever castrating America's political Peter principle, replacing penis power with the potential of diversity. It is our electoral college that makes us a democratic republic, and not a democracy, as both sides so often erroneously refer to our current corrosive, as Flint and Network water pipes, reality show. Yet, until the Supreme Court 2000 coup and Putin trumping us in 2016, I was vehemently opposed to 538 electors deciding our voting intentions. However, when I see adult women waving women for Trump signs at rallies chanting lock her up and send her back, asking Trump to autograph their breasts while their male counterparts gesticulate like brown shirts, I begin to see the May 27th through September 17th, 1787 founding wisdom of Jefferson, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, Benjamin Franklin, and George Washington. As America's violent rebellious birth turned time-honored revolution, our founders, attempting to avoid both a British counter-offensive and a standing American army, proffered the Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, well-regulated being more National Guard than Trump enablers driving eight hours to kill in his name, and the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, if... Like our Revolutionary War Minutemen, they honor that right as well regulated by the free state they are meant to secure. We cannot risk leaving America in the hands of Americans who believe the man who wreaks havoc on the delicate international balance of trade, treaties, economies, trust, alliances, and peace is the chosen one. However, it's not just Trump. 
Mike Pence is more serpent than Christian, Mitch McConnell more traitor than statesman, and e-cigarette and opiate pushers profiting from addiction as murderous as a Trump worshipper with an NRA-approved weapon of mass destruction. Let's think. Is Brazil's rainforest-destroying president preamble to Putin's nuclear float to Alaska? Is Trump part of a troika of intentional destruction of America? Now reminded, 400 years ago, slavery became ensconced in our new nation, indelibly imprinted on the confederacy of our soul. Let's remember also, since America's conception, American women have been shackled to second-class citizenship. I continue to be an advocate for equality and justice for all, but favor women in politics because of men like Goldwater, Nixon, Bush Cheney, and Donald Trump. It's time we replace the lies we tell ourselves with the wisdom to focus our energy and resources on saving the planet and all life upon it from opportunistic Trump climate change denial clones. Save climate scientists from our anti-future president. Find a cure for Alzheimer's. Save our children from cyberbullies, suicide, opiate overdoses, and mass murderers. To the new wave of Republican women seeking public office, I say... The transformation you're hoping to make in the Republican Party already exists in the Democratic Party. So please join us in the left lane. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.